We're the Valentins. And we are passionate about people. Every human was created for fulfilling relational connection. But that's not always what comes easiest. We know this because of our wide range of personal experience, as well as our years of working with people. So we're going to crack open topics like dating, marriage, family, and parenting to encourage, entertain, and equip you for a deeply fulfilling life of relational health. All right, babe, we're back. We are back. Welcome to Dates, Mates, and Babies with the Valentins, you guys. Um, Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We are here. Here we are in the middle of December. I never know how this happens every year, but it does. We're here. And um, we're excited about our episode today. This is a real treat. We have invited my friend, Jessica Satterfield, on as our interviewee today. Mm-hmm. And Jessica, I'm going to... I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, but we have never met in person. We are friends from afar. Are you guys just pen pals? We're kind of like pen pals. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Modern day pen pals. And um, we initially connected. Interestingly enough, she lives in South Carolina, which is my home state. And we both went to Clemson University. So we have some really fun things in common, but we actually connected initially online over our journey of motherhood. And um, as I've gotten to know Jessica's story and I've learned about her family and and her journey of building family, my respect for who she is as a, a wife and a mom and a leader and a speaker just goes through the roof. And so when I was thinking about who would I like to have on the podcast to talk about building family and all the different types of building family that one can do, I thought, we need to have Jessica on the podcast. So welcome, my That's sweet cool. friend, Jessica. We're so happy you're with us today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So honored y'all ask, and this is my favorite thing to talk about. So Yay. I'm really excited. Good, good. Okay. Well, friends, listeners, we are going to dive in and I'm just going to invite Jessica to tell us about her family um, in the kind of chronology of how she and her amazing husband, Brandon built their family and what that process has been like. Um, For a lot of you listeners, you know, we've done a couple episodes, at least one in depth on our journey of infertility, but that is something that Jessica and I have in common. We both um, before having children um, kind of discovered our journey was going to be a little bit more challenging than maybe you dream about when you're a little girl imagining becoming a mother and building a family. Um, And so Jessica, why don't you just kind of give us, start us out at the beginning. You and Brandon got married and then dot, dot, dot. I think it goes back to even further than that. Whenever I was a little girl, whenever anybody would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would always say a mom. Mm -hmm. And I played with baby dolls. I was always mothering my sister. I have one sister. She's four and a half years younger than me. And so that looked a lot like being bossy, you know, Uh and just grew up just really having a heart to be around children, ended up getting um, my master's in education and just the main reason for that was so that I could stay at home in the summer with my kids whenever we had them. And I think just like everybody else, you don't imagine that infertility will be a part of your story. Right. So Brandon and I get married. He is a, he's my dream man. He's the one that (laughs) I prayed for all of those years, wrote letters to him growing up in a little box. And (laughs) God has just been so faithful, just even in that story to just, he's a promise fulfilled even. And so we get married and we think that we're going to live in this little house with a perfect little white picket fence. We're going to have babies and we're just going to have a happy life. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in a very dysfunctional home and Mm -hmm. among a lot of abuse and just lots of generational things that I just knew Mm -hmm. I wanted to change. I wanted to not grow up that way. I wanted to have kids Mm -hmm. that would not experience those things. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that I had gone through enough hard, right? I mean, I've had my share of hard, so there should not be any more hard. And so ended up 
we started trying to get pregnant around, I guess it was year three whenever we were married. And it didn't happen as quickly as I thought. And I wasn't too stressed about it. You know, maybe I was a teach, I was teaching at the time. And so everything was around the school year. And I was like, well, you know, we can get pregnant, have the baby in May, I'll out the whole summer, all yeah. the things. This <laughs> perfect calendar plan. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was so young and <laughs> hadn't weathered so many things, but we ended up having a very hard time getting pregnant and years of infertility, four years, we walked through of infertility of just infertility treatments, um, you know, all the things, the doing the cycles, doing the temperatures, doing shots and ultrasounds and all the appointments that you go through. And finally, I was getting very frustrated because I had built this deep history in Jesus my whole life. But I was so confused whenever I read the gospels and every person that came to him, he healed. And so mm-hmm. that wasn't the Jesus that I knew about. Mm-hmm. And at the time, my mom um, was an alcoholic and actually during that period was um, in rehab And I was not only needing healing for my body, but I was really needing healing for my heart, healing for my Mm -hmm. family, healing for my mom. And I had never experienced that part of who God was. And I just became desperate for it. And so we ended up just devouring this, the gospels. I read John all the time, constantly. And long story short, actually at Clemson, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. And yes, it was a Clemson FCA. And my brother and sister-in-law were like, I don't know what this is about. I don't even know if we even believe in this stuff. But I was so desperate for more of who God was. I was like, if there's more of him, I have to have it. Mm-hmm. And so before... I think Todd White was doing a, a night there. And before he was finished, I was standing down at the bottom and I didn't even realize that I'd made my way there. He wasn't even done with his message or anything. I was just so desperate. I was like, he knows God in a way that I don't. And I was just holding out my hands and there wasn't even an invitation or anything. And I was just ready to have the fullness of who God was. And that kind of sent me on a journey of what, what does healing look like? You Mm -hmm. know, who is healing? And the beautiful thing about God is that he doesn't just heal our bodies. He heals every part of us. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of sent me on a new journey of discovering healing. So at that point, Brandon had really felt called to adoption. And I do want to say that this is really important, that adoption is never a plan B. It is Mm. not something that you do because you can't get pregnant. Absolutely. I always tell people that you have to go where the cloud is by day and the fire is by night. And if you do not have the cloud and if you do not have the fire, do not move forward. Because in our experience, we've had to know the presence of the cloud and we've had to feel the fire by night on the days that are so hard. You're not walking into it's it's brokenness. You know, any Mm. child that is adopted or comes from foster care and you invite in your family, there's significant trauma regardless Mm. of whether they're adopted at birth or they have lived in their biological family's home, you have to have a calling, I believe, from God to be able to weather that for Mm. not only your sake, but for theirs. Absolutely. I think it's a great disservice to children whenever People are so desperate for children. They're so desperate to have that need met in their heart Mm. that they kind of fit adopted children in this place that only 
Abba can fill. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it's not a plan B. And so mm-hmm. I wasn't ready for adoption. A lot of our story has been, Brandon has been willing to move forward and I'm like, not ready for that. Don't want that. But for about a year, he had been talking about it. And during this whole journey of me knowing the more of who God was, I was, we got invited to be a part of an orphan care ministry at the church we were going to at the time. And I didn't know exactly why we were being invited. And long story short, it was a leadership meeting and we were being invited to be on the leadership team. <laughs> I found that out whenever we walked in the doors. And I'm like, that's well, amazing. Interesting. <laughs> so we sit there among, you know, about 12 other couples and something shifted in my heart and this deep surrender happened. Mm-hmm. And I told, I felt God saying to me, will you surrender the idea of what your family will be? And mm-hmm. will you let your family be what I want your family to be? Gosh. And so in that moment, you know, when you just let your hands just open and things that you've been holding on to just fall to the ground, it, it was like the picket fences just crashed to the ground. And I'm so thankful that they did. He he writes, this is so cliche, but the way he writes stories are so much more beautiful than we could ever dream them up to be. And there's a, a deep surrender that happens that also just connects us deeper to his heart. Mm-hmm. And what was crazy is that we were young, just, you know, married, broke as a joke, you know, and how are we going to adopt? There's, there's no way. Right. Right. In the very moment in that meeting that I had this massive encounter with the Lord, I was so excited to get in the car and tell Brandon all about it because he had been waiting, you know, a year Mm -hmm. and someone slipped Brandon a a note in the meeting and we get in the car and I'm so excited to tell him, Brandon, you're not going to believe what the Lord did. He, he just graced me to surrender and I'm ready to adopt. And he looked at me and his, his face was white as a sheet. And he said, you're not going to believe this. And he held up the note and on the note, it said, I'm going to give you $10,000 to adopt. Oh, wow. <laughs> same night. Yeah. Same. Very, very same moment. And so wow. there was, oh my gosh. it's like, he's so good. The goodness and the kindness of God to just mm. overwhelm us with who he is. And so we ended up starting the adoption process. And from that moment until the time that we brought Sayla home was exactly nine months, which wow. in the world, yes, is unheard of. It's yeah. yes, so fast, unheard of. And she was a Christmas baby. Her birthday is coming up in two weeks. And uh-huh. just she's just the dream of our heart. She's so precious and we love her so much. And it was pretty soon after Sayla was about nine months old and her birth mom contacted us and asked, she was pregnant again and asked us to take that baby as well. And wow. we said yes. And that was our Micah. She <laughs> had considered abortion and actually had scheduled an appointment in Charlotte and in the middle of the night, a Wendy's commercial came on and she was watching the Wendy's commercial about adoption. And she just knew that it wasn't something that she needed to do, but she didn't really see another way out. Well, her alarm didn't go off that morning to drive for her her appointment for her appointment. Wow. And so she knew that okay, I guess this, I guess I'm going to call the Satterfields. And we, Micah was our gift. He just showed up and he was born with lots of special needs. He has a a whole story of his own, but he is a miracle, a miracle emotion. Doctors told us he would never walk or talk. Wow. 
Yes, had mild CP, cerebral palsy. He had a, a feeding tube for still has his G tube. We just use it for medicine now, but he he will tell you that well, if if you need God to heal you, I know that he'll heal you because he healed me. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's just the the sweetest story, whole story just of what he carries in the spirit is is powerful. And we um, just love our Micah. We've seen the goodness of God in his life. So Micah was about 18 months old. And we um, found out that they're Selah and Micah's biological half-brother. So Selah and Micah and then Zion are half-biological siblings. Okay. We found out that he was um, going into foster care. And so... They ask us if we would would take him. And this is the first conversation that we had had with God about we have to know. We've read all this research about breaking yes. your birth order and all of those things. And we mm-hmm. would never do that. You know, we would never break birth order. We could never do that to our kids. We could, you know, all these things. You would think at that point we would just learn, okay, let's don't say never, you know, Yeah. <laughs> let's quit planning our calendar and our life out in this <laughs> idealistic way. And so we, we really felt, felt the father on it and ended up bringing Zion home. And I had a three-year-old, almost two-year-old, and then we got a seven-year-old. And so we were doing (laughs) Mickey Mouse clubhouse and diapers. And then I was like stepping on Legos and looking at transformers. Yeah. And the first night he's there, I'm like asking Brennan, does he know how to take a shower, like a bath? Like what? Right. What does a seven-year-old do? (laughs) You know, you grow with your children whenever you have them from birth. And so he, comes this big kid in my head and I'm like, I don't know what to do with him. So Mm -hmm. it was, we were learning and growing with him. And I felt, I would tell him all the time, I'm growing as a mom, just like you're growing as a boy. And I don't know how to do this. I'm, I'm sorry. (laughs) And you know, just all the things. And yes. So he, he was fiery, fiery. Mm such a fiery boy and we loved him. He just walked into a room, commanded attention. A lot of times not the ways that, you know, he needed to command attention, but he (laughs) did. He was a full boy, um, always in the woods, bringing sticks in the house, dead animals, all the things. (laughs) And he was just, oh gosh, such, such a joy. And he he was also taught us a deep need for leaning into the grace of what God called us to. It sounds like it could be roses and sunshine and butterflies, but there was a lot of the best way I can describe it is whenever you Whenever you haven't felt love before, you know, whenever your toes get really, really cold and then you put them in warm water and it burns, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what, that's what love felt like. And it was a journey of growing in love with him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it felt painful for both of us because I didn't understand how we're loving you. This is what family is. This is what we do. The, the the whole entire, we had this whole encounter at the pantry and with food. It was, it was a big deal for him. The first time he walked into the pantry and took food out with, without sneaking it or stealing it or. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a, such a picture of, you live in your father's house and everything that we have belongs to you. Mm. And there were so many times the father would whisper to my heart, Jess, 
You live in my house and everything that I have is yours. There's no need to tuck away things or hide or um, defend yourself, protect yourself because that's what good dads do. They care for you and take care of you. And he taught us so much about identity and what it looks like to live in intimacy with, with God. And in 2020, the middle of COVID, the world was shut down. Um, May 11th, he had an accident while playing and passed away. And every everything that we knew and we had taught about God, everything that we had preached about God, that I've written about God, it was all real in that moment. And I just, I remember the, the 911 call, I was just declaring, um, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, you are with us. You are with us. And, you know, it, it wasn't too long right after Olive had passed. Mm-hmm. And there's a song that Abby had written um, from Upper Room and sung over her. Uh-huh. And my sister came over and we were just singing that song, just declaring his his soul to come back to his body, just commanding life to come back to him and believing for resurrection. And, you know, you think back to those days whenever I was wondering if, God, are you really somebody who heals? Mm-hmm. Are you really somebody who can heal my body. And here I was like all these years, like believing with every ounce in me that he was going to rise from the dead. And God graced me with the most beautiful vision that day. And I just, I knew in my heart that he wasn't coming back and everybody was in the house and it was chaotic. And mm. um, my sister I said, he, I said, he's, he's with the father. And she's like, no, no, keep, keep, keep declaring, keep making. And I was like, no, he chose him. And we actually have an olive tree that sits in the spot where I had that vision. And as a mom, all you want is for your children to grow up and to choose the father. Hmm. There's nothing more. There's nothing more that I can want for them to choose him. And it's almost like I felt the father just he did it chess. Like he chose me. And it's such a such a grace that I had that vision and such a gift that I'm able to mm-hmm. hold on to that and know that after his short little life, even though it was stolen by the enemy, he really chose the narrow way. And, um, it was definitely a journey of after losing him of, you know, what does life look like moving forward? How do we, we're grieving so deeply. How do we remotely walk our other children through this? Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, What is, what does it look like? Micah's birthday was, you know, four days later, he was turning five. How do you oh, have wow. a five-year-old birthday after your brother just passed away? And yeah, we were wow. planning a funeral and a birthday party and just learning what does it look like? How do you move forward? You know? Yeah. And so God has just been so near to us and he's been so, he's everything to us. We, we, couldn't make it through. And, you know, our pastor told us that day, he said 85% of marriages fail after the loss of a child. Wow. He said, you have a choice to make today and Hmm. you can choose to turn to one another 
or you can choose to kind of turn away. And we thankfully just made up our minds that that was going to be what we were going to choose was one another and lots of counseling. So much counseling, so much trauma therapy, um, lots of really beautifully pastoring our hearts and a really awesome community at the time that just came Mm. and rallied around us and loved us and, Mm. you know, gave us meals and all the things. Yes. And so we are still learning how to move forward without him, Mm. right? Grief doesn't walk away. You just kind of learn how to, how to move forward and, there's always a space there that he just holds in our family mm. and I can just still see him sitting at the table and in all of our family pictures and all of the things, mm. but God was, he all, he redeems everything, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we knew that there's more to the story and but right before he passed me and Brandon had started having conversations about you know, I had endometriosis and it's not just painful because you can't get pregnant. It's pain every single day that you live with mm-hmm. and so, physical pain. Right. So mm-hmm. we were having conversations. Maybe we need to have another surgery for them to clean it out. I can't mother my children. Mm. And so it was, Zion passed away in May. We decided to have another surgery in October. And so we ended up having the surgery and the doctor told me the next surgery that you'll have will be a hysterectomy. And if you are wanting to have biological children, you have six months and your chances are one to maybe 3%. And so he ended up referring us to the fertility clinic and I didn't even notice. And the thought of going back to the fertility clinic was just, God, I know that you can heal me. I know you can speak one word and everything can be healed. Mm-hmm. And we had been contending for that for so many years. And why are we going to go back here to this needing this medicine and appointments and all these things? And very long story short, Brandon really felt once again that we were to partner with heaven and partnering with heaven looked like, let's go to the fertility clinic and let's give this another shot. And so we had one shot at IVF and I started just really processing with God a lot of anger and disappointment for my Mm. 10 years of infertility a lot of hope deferred. Why haven't you showed up? Why haven't you, you've given us prophetic word after prophetic word. If you knew how many people had stood (laughs) up in the church, you know, pastors and prophets come through and here we are. Yep. Those ones with the babies are coming. And I mean, at this point, I'm getting tired of the prophetic words about babies, you know, can you please not give us prophetic words about babies? We're kind of tired of hearing about it. Let's Mm -hmm. see some action here, Lord, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we had one shot at the, the IVF and I started journaling every single day, the process. And it was really just him sorting out things in my heart. And we got to about day five or so. And he, I realized he was like, just, this isn't just for you. This is, this is another thing that I'm birthing inside of you. And that's mm. what became my book. And so my book was written in real time whenever I was journeying through. Mm. Wow. And it's very raw because I was very raw at the time. But (laughs) he just did some really beautiful things and just he in a moment can heal disappointment and a broken heart from years and years, you know, and it looked like that. And so on February 17th, 
which my birthday was a few days later. And I just think it's the best birthday present ever. We got our positive pregnancy test after (laughs) a decade of infertility. Wow. My gosh. And he, he fulfilled his promise to us. And we, it was, I love being pregnant. It's the best thing ever. And Brandon's like, are you sure? Because you complain all the time whenever you're pregnant. <laughs> I'm like, I do love it. It is hard. On It's hard being older, being pregnant, you know? Yes. Yeah. yes. But, oh my goodness, it was just all oh, the sweetest thing. And our Ada Joy, she is our double portion of joy. She's everything that her name is. Just spicy, just fiery, but she is just such a joy. And then we, I remember going to her six, no, yeah, six week appointment postpartum and just our, my doctor said, you know, Jess, I, um, I really think you should think about birth control. And I was, I just laughed at her. I was like, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. You know, it's like <laughs> 10 years to get pregnant. And then, yeah. um, we had to do IVF and I, I just, I don't think that's necessary. And she said, well, you should just be ready for a miracle. I was like, I'm always ready for miracles. <laughs> so it was, Bring it on. Yeah. It was a few months later, Ada was nine months and I realized I was pregnant naturally <laughs> Oh my and it gosh. was a miracle and <laughs> Comes out, we comes to find out we weren't ready for a miracle. <laughs> we, we were not prepared whatsoever and just took the test completely thinking it was negative. I laid it down, walked away, forgot about it. Then it was finishing getting ready. And then I remembered it and I was like, oh, let me just throw it away. And then I looked at it and realized it was positive. And so, you know, you take another one just to make sure. <laughs> and like, wait, yeah. oh my gosh, is this real? What is it like to get pregnant for free? All right. <laughs> it was crazy. So yeah. And then Eden was born um, this February. And wow. so it has just been, gosh, such a journey of growing our family. And along the way, the father really healing for Brandon and I family mm-hmm. and just redeeming redeeming what that looks like and rewriting our generational lines to mm. carry something different that hasn't been carried before or passed mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. And so My it gosh. has been a beautiful story and it's also been really hard. Mm-hmm. I think that people can look at others on social media online and think, oh, they just have such a happy, beautiful life. And I think it's so important to just walking with Jesus is not easy. Mm -mm. And he's not a magic fairy that makes everything better. But when we walk through deep waters, he's with us. Mm -hmm. And there's always rescue in his withness. And I think that's pretty much sums up fullness of our story he's mm. with us and we're with him and we belong to him and he is ours girl that is wild thank you for sharing that beautiful story i um as i'm listening to you i i'm just realizing that what god has done with you and your family with you and your husband and your beautiful children i mean you have done like <laughs> the spectrum you've done the highs the lows the most parents like greatest fears losing a child is probably a parent's greatest fear on earth um you have gone through infertility you have gone through adoption you have birthed biological children both through <laughs> infertility treatment and through miraculous conception you i mean you've really run the gamut. Girl, I didn't know one person could do all those things. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> wow. I don't know whether to just like write you a big check and send you off on a year-long vacation and a hundred oh, massages or <laughs> I wish I could do that for you or just say like, 
Good job. That was that is wild. But what strikes me, and this is the thing that I love, I think, well, for starters, you and I both know the power in testimony. And so yes, yes. what you have, what you and Brandon have walked through and what your children have walked through, um, the story of their lives is in the context of testimony, it just proclaims prophetically the goodness of God and the miraculous power of God. So for people listening who have been contending for years and years and years for breakthrough in any of these areas, my word, like the the presence of God is here to usher in the miraculous. And I think that's stunningly beautiful. And then, you know, on the other hand, I hear, I hear so much in your story, which is really a testimony. I hear so much practical help too. Like I just was listening for keys. And I, for a second, just want to kind of take our listeners back and just remind them of some of the keys that you gave out. The first being in your process of infertility, that surrender that has to happen. Like the Mm -hmm. first, just the surrender. And, you know, on our podcast, we talk a lot about relational health tools and equipping people practically for, for health and help. Um, but, I, I love the opportunity to remind the listeners that beneath the layer of practical help that is available and the practical tools that we have to grow in and sharpen mm-hmm. with one another in order to build a thriving life, the, the undergirding of all of that, what makes that doable and possible is a surrendered heart to God mm-hmm. and a, a, a laid down life and so thank you for reminding us that that is the ultimate foundation, a surrendered heart to God. Um, and then in your adoption journey, one of the things that, I mean, the the number one thing that stuck out to me was just the don't do it unless you're called. I think that's yeah. such a, that is such a practical tool, but even the cloud by day, fire by night, presence of God, the absolute necessity of the presence of God in that process. Yes. So to anybody in that adoption journey, to anybody looking to build their family that way, I think those are great questions. Is the cloud with you? Is the fire with you? Check, check. Okay, good. Maybe look look, look ahead and see about that, but otherwise, no. Um, and then goodness sakes, in any, I mean, you mentioned this in the context of losing your son, Zion, but in any hard spot in a marriage or in a relationship of any kind, that challenge to turn toward one another and to choose connection, even in the midst of hardship, like choosing to continue to love, continuing to pursue health, continuing to deepen in your own marriage connection while you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, quite literally. I mean, choosing connection looks like a lot of things. And we know, we know that that was not an easy choice for you and Brandon to make every day because that is an incredible trial, but that, that challenge to turn towards, um, in the midst of loss, goodness sakes. And then of course, just in your journey of, um, getting pregnant physically again, you know, once. And then again, I heard you talk about, um, you know, having to actually, invite the miraculous, like it choosing to believe that after all these years, the miraculous could actually come in the initial form that you asked for. Cause I think that's what happens is we go through hard thing after hard thing after hard thing. And we learn that lesson, like, Oh, God's going to do with me what he wants. And it just doesn't always look like what I initially thought it was going to look like. And I'm just having to learn like my life is about things go differently than planned. Like that's the theme. So then for God to actually go, but also that prayer that you almost stopped praying, that one mm-hmm. where you you wanted to kind of forget the prophetic words, forget the promises, like I did it a different way. That It's even a challenge to go back and go, oh, I'm going to open my heart up to that vulnerability again mm-hmm. and choose to believe again. Just stunning keys in there for listeners when it comes mm-hmm. to um, dreaming for your family dreaming for um honestly anything any dream and desire of your heart anything that you hold precious that journey of walking with a partner and walking with the lord in the midst of it there's just so many keys in there girl thank you for sharing stunning stunning yeah it's incredible i guess maybe one question that i have um 
I mean, a lot of people get into parenting, um, even just biological biological children, mm-hmm. and it's harder than what you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Always, it is. Um, and having raised five kids <laughs> myself, two different sets of kids, you know, how do you? How have you guys dealt with? Because you know, you've done adoption, you've done um, mm-hmm. in adoption several different ways you know you, you adopted mm-hmm. um the kids that were biological and then the the half brother and mm-hmm. i'm just curious like how have you and brandon dealt with just the it being tougher the day to day being more challenging and tougher than you know what you picture it when you're before you have kids mm-hmm. what question cuz we are just in we're in the throes of it right now. Mm-hmm. And I think I think my answer would be we look at Jesus as perfect theology. And so every answer to every question is found in him. And so the way we grew up being parented is completely different from the way that we currently parent and I know that so many people can look at us and think that is the craziest type of parenting that I've ever seen. But what we (laughs) really feel passionate about is I would much rather connect with their heart and have the father touch and heal those places through connection than behavior modification. And so we really, just like God parents us, he fathers us through connection, but also differently. He connects with me so much differently than he connects with Brandon or you guys. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, all of our kids, they are craving connection, but it also looks differently for all of Mm -hmm. them too. And so really leaning into the Holy Spirit, asking, God, what what is her heart really longing for right now? What is she really needing? For instance, Micah was up last night, couldn't go to sleep. And Mm, those nights. Oh, my goodness. And, Mm. you know, I shared earlier, we have had the flu go through our house we have just had yeah. strep throat, you know, the big, the big family. It's, I really have the tendency to just take a sucker and everybody lick the sucker so we can just get it all get it over with. Right. <laughs> and so I'm so tired of the baby and just like, oh, and then he's, he's up just not when you go to sleep chatting about, you know, whatever, just Minecraft, all the things. And, and I, I'm mm. no, because we've learned some of his places in his heart, what he's needing his connection really. And so I, this morning came downstairs, he ended up sleeping in a pallet in our room. Mm -hmm. I came downstairs and there was a stack of pictures that of Zion and him. And Mm -hmm. that's really what his heart was. He was sad. And so he Mm -hmm. was, he's working through that last night and he just needed to be near, you know, Mm-hmm. And so um it it's things like that recognizing okay we are you know throwing chairs across the room or um having these meltdowns about something silly but really just asking the question what's the deeper thing that mm-hmm. your heart needs mm-hmm. and um we do not have this figured out. (laughs) It's a grand experiment. No idea what we're doing still. (laughs) And so it's it's a lot of, (laughs) to answer your question, I don't know. That's great. That's a perfect answer. Very relatable. It's so funny. I was talking to a good friend of mine and they have raised kids as well, older kids. And then um, they have, uh, two younger adopted kids as well. And it was a really, um, it was a pretty early morning, Lauren and I had taken our kids to, 
uh, evergreen coffee here in town. And we had run out of eggs at home. So we're like, get in the car. We got to go get breakfast somewhere. Saturday. And Edie had stayed up, you know, she had woken up in the middle of the night. So for like four hours, you know, we did the back and forth, like four hour grind. And I was so tired. Yeah. And then just on top of like, it's a challenging season, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a challenging season with temper tantrums and knowing how to raise them and all that. And so I was talking to my friend and we get there and our friends are also in the coffee shop with their two little (laughs) like young kids. And I just said, man, I told him about the night, you know, that night before and She'd stayed up to like two nights in a row like that. And I was just like, dude, I'm so wiped out. And he said, yeah, you know, the only parent, the only people that really know how to raise kids are grandparents. And uh, because they forgot that they don't know what they're doing either. <laughs> then they all write books on how to raise kids. But um, he said, yeah, we're all just kind of lost trying to figure it out as yeah. well and, and work your way through it. But I really, um, I was laying in bed probably a month ago, filled with anxiety, uh, truth be told. Uh, about just not knowing exactly what to do. Cause I'm going to tell me what to do and I'll do it, you know, yeah. like, and I was raised one way and, and we're trying to, you know, we're trying to like bridge the gap between how I was raised and even, you know, how we feel a conviction to raise the kids and how do you create obedience? But, how do you create also children through if you, connection? Yeah. And so I just had so much anxiety and I've just felt the Holy spirit tell me like, you have the grace to do today well. Mm-hmm. Just do today well. And it doesn't answer, am I doing the right thing? But I, for me, it's really helped me the last. And listen, I wake up most every morning with anxiety around, <laughs> am I doing the right thing? Do I know how to do this? Jay, we made Jay start over after he thought he was out of this toddler yeah. phase, but turns out. Yeah. But that's been a big sustaining piece for mm-hmm. me is remembering like, I have the grace to do today well. And I start to drown if I think, yeah. where are we going to be in a month? Or if I don't stop this behavior right now, this is going to lead to this. Or, you know, all those things that comes with with parenting. And I've just found myself leaning back every night, back on, okay, the two things I do. I go, I have the grace to do today well. And then I also look at back at the past when I was afraid. And I go like, well, like everything's fine. You shouldn't have been afraid. <laughs> like, why are you so, you know, why are you We're so? going to be okay. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. It's, oh. It is such a journey. Parenting's such a journey. It is. It's very, very hard. I don't, I think the parents that think that they have it figured out, you know, it's like if you have, sometimes I think like if you have really easy babies, they don't stay easy forever. And then if you have really easy toddlers like they don't stay easy for at some point you have to lean back on god you know they get into high school and they make different friends and some point you have to lean back on god instead of your perfect parenting and realize like i i need you to intervene i need you to come through like i need grace that i don't feel like i have right now i need wisdom from heaven i need help that you know and lauren and i in this season have been pulling on a lot more help than than we've needed to in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's just been, honestly, it just feel like it's day by day by day, grace mm-hmm. sustained. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. One, one last thing that comes to mind for me is just as I'm hearing your story, even, in, um, you know, just recalling that season when you lost your son, Zion, and I heard you say in different words, basically just that, that mother's, deep awareness that our children are actually the Lord's Mm. that we think that they're our answer to prayer. They're Mm. mine. My children have been given to me because I so desired them. (laughs) And I think there's moments, whether in the loss of a child's life or in the turning away of a child or in a challenge or in a health condition or whatever it might be, we become as parents just so aware sometimes that our children are actually the Lord's and he's given their little bodies Mm -hmm. and minds and spirits to us to love and to steward, but ultimately that they're his and my word. I mean, that is something that you have had to walk through on such a deep and profound level. So anyways, Girl, we so respect you and love you and appreciate your story and your willingness to share just really fast because I know that there's going to be people that want to know um, 
how to access your wisdom and your faith on even you know deeper more profound levels than this conversation but i want you to tell everybody just real quickly about the garden what that is and if that's something that people have access to that are walking through a journey of waiting yes so we are we do have the garden and it's a ministry nonprofit and we walk alongside women who are on the broken road to motherhood so journeying through infertility, infant loss, miscarriage, foster care, adoption. And so we are really essentially just introducing them to the healer. And we've seen so many radical miracles happen in our community just from their hearts encountering the love of the father and Mm. knowing that they get to have intimacy with him. And then their bodies being healed and miracle babies and babies coming home through adoption and foster care and getting the experience of family. And so, yeah, you can check what we're doing out. We're on Instagram. It's the garden group or it's um, our website is the garden group.org. And so we, yeah, we're, really just passionate about women Mm -hmm. learning how to abide and Mm -hmm. from that place everything else flows yes okay thank you for that and then i did want to mention we'll put this in the show notes too but jessica's book is called partnering with heaven and so if that's something you want to check out too it exists it is beautiful i have a copy myself and I am grateful for the author that is Miss Jessica Satterfield. So, girl, thank you so much for this conversation and for your time and just carving out a little window in the midst of your sweet family battling yeah, the flu. I'm sorry. We've been there. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. We we so respect and appreciate you, girl. Thanks. We're yeah. so thankful for y'all. Thank you, girl. All right, y'all. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode this week. Um, if it blessed you, would you send it to a friend uh, mm-hmm. who, who you needs this encouragement? Otherwise, have an incredible week. Oh, one last thing I want to say is that we have our marriage intensive that is starting the second week of January. Um, we do a Tuesday night from 6.30 to 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. If you are looking to grow a stronger, healthier, happier, more connected marriage, and you're looking for real practical tools, um, you can check that out. You can go to uh, uh, com and get some more info there. Otherwise, have an incredible week. We will see you all next week. Goodbye. Okay,